Orbital Sword. I'm David Bolton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. On this episode, we are disgusting. Disgusting. On this episode, yeah. <laughs> we're disgusting. <laughs> that is that's that's not an accidental slip, folks. That's not an accidental slip. So say. No, it is not. That's a Freudian slip. That's right. <laughs> we are discussing. Empire of Storms by Sarah J. Maas. Um, book, is this four or five? five. It's five. Five, yeah. So um, in this in this story, we really see Selena kind of come to her own in a different way. I mean, she oh, is she definitely does. the persona. Yeah, she's taken the persona <laughs> of queen, of, of ter- Terrison, like, like fool to heart. This isn't... <laughs> Oh my gosh. I can't get through this intro. I can't. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's going to well, be one so of those nights. So, right. <laughs> so she's she's going around trying to 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 amass her her army and her followers to come together to to overthrow the new big bad since they defeated the king of Otterlin in the last book and uh they broke the the throne of glass um and so they've, they've she's got to bring a group together and throughout the story she's trying and trying and trying and keeps failing and failing and then there's uh at the end of the book she gets kidnapped uh, there, i'm sure we're going to go over lots of other stuff especially the steamy stuff and uh yeah but that's just a brief overlook of what happens here yes it is so <laughs> so I wanted overall impressions and thoughts. Um Okay. Anyone want to go first or do you care if I go first? Go, why don't you, no, you go, go first? ahead, Scott? All right. So yeah. this book almost made me quit reading the series. Now I didn't, as because I missed a read ahead. Oh. I finished the series and it went back and uh, <laughs> have uh, thoroughly enjoyed rereading this book, especially. Um, but in my <laughs> <laughs> in my reading of this book, when I got to the end and she was kidnapped, I almost put the book down and said, "Okay, I'm done," um, because it was not what I wanted to happen in the, at the end of this book and especially in the way that it happened. Um, there were a lot of things I really liked about this book. Um, I liked, and especially as I reread it this time, I liked the, uh, I liked the whole, uh, the, um, um, 
Elid, Elid and, uh, and Lorcan relationship, I thought is beautifully developed in this book. Um, and you see a side of Lorcan that's not developed in book four. Um, and uh, the way that a way Sarah J. Moss writes it is so artfully done. She is, she is the master of developing romantic relationships in a way that doesn't feel rushed, believable, um, and leaves you anticipating how it's going to develop next. Um, and so it's one of the things that, as I reread the book, I really noticed, I continued to notice, and can't give her props enough um, because the relationships are believable, they're real, they're guttural, they're not perfect. Um, and I do, I do like that about the relationships between all the characters. Um, I like the continual development of Manon Blackbeak in this story. And, uh, certainly like the time in Skulls Bay, uh, with all the characters and all the parts of the story. One of my favorite parts of the book is Skulls Bay, the story of Skulls Bay. And, um, so I like this book. I liked it on a reread. Um, there were some parts I skipped because I felt like I really didn't. I, I it probably was the frame of mind I was in, but you know, we got to some of the more steamy scenes, and I was like, "Yep, skip next part." Because I was just into the plot of the book more than I was that part of the relationship. But, but yeah, that's my thought, uh, overall impressions and thoughts of the book. And I could go on, and I'm sure we'll talk about other parts along the way. Jim, how about you? <laughs> Well, um, I didn't hate it. Uh, uh, first of all, I'm going to say that Sarah Mass can write, okay, and and she she can write vividly. Oh yeah, uh, just I mean, you know, I have no trouble with that. But you know, this book just kind of hit me as. Another series of epic battles interlaced with a series of rather boring interludes and, uh, and maneuvering and scenes of detailed sexual encounters this time. I mean, I, I think I feel like the detail in those are way over the top. Okay. Uh, there's no way you can call this book young adult. Absolutely no way. Well, young adults are doing it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but for crying out loud, you don't need to try to put fire out with gasoline, my friend. Uh, as and you know, and as as we've gone on, a lot of the a lot of the books that we've read have been increasingly turning into, in my mind, romance novels. Yeah. Yeah. And especially this one, because we got romances budding all over the place. And but but I will say this: I am so glad that Aelin and Rowan have finally done it, and it's done and over with, and we don't get the teasing anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I would agree with there that. There it is. I would agree with that. David, how about you? Uh, tell me your uh, thoughts and impressions of this book. Okay. Are you ready? 
I really like this book. I did. I like, you know, I was on the fence about it. I was like, ah, just, this feels kind of mediocre, just about where it was. And you know what turned this book around and, and, and not turned it around. Cause I was having a fine time with it, whatever. I liked that it was different, that they were traveling around, that they were like going from place to place. It felt more like the type of fantasy books that I, I enjoy where there's like a, a quest rather than the other ones were mostly like most of the time they were just in a location and then like everything happened around that location and they didn't really like go and you know they didn't like go anywhere like maybe there's three or four locations to the to the book but generally like you know that she was being trained somewhere or she was at the castle and it was all about stuff at the castle and now this is like them going from town to town and experiencing new people and semi-new cultures and and that kind of stuff. So I really liked that. I really liked that she went to that church or whatever it was, that altar, and, and saw the other ghost. Um, and, and I like that the evil characters are kind of, like, evolving into less politically evil characters to, like, straight-up, like, demon-like monsters, like, flying around and stuff. Um, but what really turned it around was not everything at Skulls Bay but the battle at Skulls Bay. That was and pretty phenomenal. That was, Lysandra is becoming one of my favorite characters in the book. Oh, yeah. I think that she has written great. I love the romance between her and, um, what's the 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 cousin's name? Yes. Um, oh, Adian? Uh, Adian. Adian. Yeah. Her, her and Adian's relationship, I really like that it's not like as... The other ones are very much like they like each other. They're getting it on. And this is, this one's very much more, they like each other, but there's things they have to work through before they're going to like allow them, each other to be yeah. together. And I, I, yeah. um, there's more, there's, there's more to their relationship than just the two of them because she's, she's like, they reveal later on that she's like so dedicated to, to the to the queen and everything she's willing to, to make all these sacrifices that he didn't even know about but to him she's just like this amazing he's like i'm gonna make you my wife and you know she's touched by that but she's so independent and she's been so abused that she's there's a lot going on there and it's it's really heavy um yeah i i that battle when she like i thought she was gonna die at skull's bed oh, yeah and and I thought, here we are, book five. Like, we're due a proper death. Like, one of these characters is fully... Like, this crew of people, like, it, you know, Selena's not going to die. Rowan's not going to die. And I don't think Dorian's going to die. But everyone else in their crew, like, fully expendable in my mind. Like, you know, it could, it could go anywhere. And I really I really felt like, this is it. Like, Sandra's going to die. And then, it, and then they got to the swamps, and I thought I felt like... The action just kept continuing. I really liked the twist with what Lysandra like was like. Oh well, you know, if anything happens, this is what I w I would do, and the reveal of that um, that was really good. I also really really enjoyed Lorcan and a lead story. I, I agree that it was like a, a very predictable but very soft burn that's still like up and down and up and down, and um. Very confusing for the characters because they don't know everything about each other, especially like Ali doesn't understand the whole bond thing that a Lorcan that, Lor that Lorcan has with the queen and how you know 
she saw him like as uh, in betraying her in the swamps and and he was couldn't help but do what the queen commanded uh, or Maeve commanded i a lot of these things i really enjoyed I, the book i know you said you didn't like the ending i think it's it was a great ending of separating them i think that's going to make for some really good story in the next book I, I, and I, I agree with Jim's complaint that there's a little bit too much uh, hanky panky in this in this book. It's very uncomfortable, especially when I'm listening to it at work. <laughs> oh, uh, on speakers. Uh, I mean, I, headphones, headphones. Thank goodness. But uh, you know, just to be like someone walks up, I'm like, ah, I'm not listening to what. <laughs> what? <laughs> pause, 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 pause. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I, I do feel like in some ways, with the way that this book ended, I think that she burned I'm, – I'm, I'm thinking that she's burnt, kind of burned it out of the system. She's like, here's all these characters that we're building up to this romance. Let's just do it. Here they go. They have romance. Now they're all separated. Now their lives are way more complicated. Now the option for this romance is way less likely to – uh, grow any further it's kind of it's kind of it's gonna have to stop for a little bit because of their their situations for pretty much every relationship except for manon and dorian and i think that that uh Lorcan and the lead will probably continue to grow but uh adian and lysandra are on full hold rowan and and selena are on full hold so yeah anyway i really enjoyed the book yeah that's my two cents yeah yeah, you know, no, notice, noticeably, it was, it was noticeably missing in this book was Kale, and I don't care. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm tired of him. Ah, well, you better <laughs> not be tired of him because he encompasses. Book I know six, he's coming back, but oh, uh, okay. yeah, because I like him. Yeah, so I like, I like, him. yeah. So we, uh, there are seven books in this series, right? Yeah, I think there's two more. Yeah. So the next book, um, and this is not spoiling anything, but the next book focuses exclusively on Kale. Oh, no kidding. Yep. So we, we find out. So at the same time, this story is going on. We back up and we find out what's happening with Kale and oh, I forget the girl that he was with, the archer. Um, and their relationship as they were going to the south to the healers. And so we, we focus on that, which has kind of been set up at the end of book four. Um, and so we pick back up there and we find out what he's doing to enhance Aelin's cause. Um. And it is a phenomenal story, but we're gonna leave. Oh. We're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave Aelin alone for a little bit. So, no, oh. okay. I don't have Works a problem for with me. That. Yep. Works for yep. me. So, well, we can we can start talking about characters, and we have. Well, let's start with Aelin herself. She had some re- disappointment right at the beginning of the book. Yeah, I, she thought. I, I, she, go ahead. Go ahead. She thought she was going to walk back into Terrasin, and everybody was going to go hail Aelin, and <laughs> she got met by a bunch of guys who said, hey, "No, we're not just going to walk, just 
walk your walk, you're going to have to earn this. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I like the growth in the character of, we see her conniving planning side a lot more in this book. I mean, I don't think it's right that she's She constantly hides things, but we get a little bit of more of a peek into her mastermind type of scenarios, which are, are way more advanced or, or way more, um, conducive for like an, a master assassin than, uh, we've seen in the past. Yeah. I think we've gone way past the assassin thing. I think that's completely, I don't see that ever coming back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So who else do we have? Uh, Rowan Whitethorn. Oh yes. Good old Rowan. Yeah. What about him? Yeah. <laughs> do you feel he's a little, he's a little. He's definitely, he, de uh, he definitely grounds Aelin. Um, yeah. Both in her magic and in who she is as a person. Yeah. And so that's. Well, and that's a, and that, that's owing to all the experience he has. Oh, yes. Yeah. You know, dealing, dealing with all this stuff himself. He's uh, he's quite well equipped to actually continue training her. Oh, he's well equipped, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, Scott. Well, <laughs> we're gonna go down that road, no, no matter what we do, no, are we? Apparently, and then yeah. <laughs> so no, he's. He's a he's a skilled warrior. Okay, I'll I'll make sure to get that warrior thrown in right, there right, right away. And um, yeah, and and he's helping out. You know, you know what really blew me away with Dorian. Okay, him him and the flirtation with Manon. Oh yeah, absolutely. You no, that was that was super foreshadowed though. It was. I, I, I just thought it was kind of out of left field that, uh, their that their relationship would take that particular direction. Well, I think it's important to remember that they did kind of set up the you know in the first couple of books, especially the first book, that Dorian was a ladies' man, right? And they hinted yeah. that in this book, and so when when this happens with Manon, um. Uh, there is a, and especially after her rescue of him, I mean, he's a king without a city now. Um, and uh, her rescue of him kind of sets that up. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, I never pictured, I mean, let's face it. Manon could, could disembowel this guy. Absolutely. Without even, without any effort whatsoever. But he, d she could yeah, do it accidentally. Right. <laughs> he's, got but, the, he's got these Jedi powers, though. Yeah. His force powers. Do you know, um, I, I wanted to back up just a little bit with Aelin. We, we, we really got to talk about that scene on the boat when she channels the god. And we find that these gods are not as benign, maybe, as has been hinted at. 
Because the way they overtake Aelin's body and kind of control her, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, they do reveal later it's because they were betrayed. Right. Right? And that's why, you know, they waited so long for her. And especially, like, the Artemis-type character is tired of waiting, whatever her name is, the that god, the goddess of the hunt. So, um. Do you know one of my favorite parts with Aelin, yeah. though, is is What's when that? she goes into Skulls Bay and meets the Pirate Lord, and and when the Pirate Lord walks in, it's the Queen, it's it's Selena sitting there, but it's actually Lysandra, and then the Queen walks in. I love that scene. Yeah, that was that was kind of cool. Yeah, I did enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. Anyways, uh, where are we at? Adian? Yeah, that would be next on the list. I felt like this character had the least amount of growth as far as change in his. However, he also had um, probably one of the most slow burn compelling romances of the four or whatever. We, we we say we say he had the least it. amount of ch- the least amount of change, but remember he did. This is the book where him and his birth father encounter each other, and he's really wrestling through that through this book. How is he going to treat this oh, man yeah. that he feels has betrayed him in some ways? Mm-hmm. So, yeah he he had a real he had a real struggle with that. Didn't he, he did. But yeah. you know, he he kind of also in this book came a little more into his own because you remember in book four, the previous book, he he was kind of a bookend to Rowan, right? I mean, it was right. Rowan and Adian, and and they were just kind of like bookends to each other, and uh, he he's at least coming into his own, and I think a lot of that has to do with Lysandra. I would agree. Okay, I guess I, I I take that back. He he didn't necessarily have a huge amount of change, but he definitely grew into his own. Like you said, like he he became his own character, right? In, in the book, and and less of and less of a foil, right? For, for mm-hmm. Rowan, yeah, no, no doubt. I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I felt like his his caring for Lysandra, I I the reason I liked their relationship maybe. Maybe the most uh, uh, is because he grows, you know, they make this big deal about how pretty she is and how can she can be anything and, and look like anything. And and I I, I like that it, he forms a like a, a kind of like a working respect for her. And then out of that, his kind of like his feelings grow as they work together rather than just being purely like she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Right. And, yeah. and she'll always, she'll always be the most beautiful woman because she can make herself look like her at all times. And like, you know, she can turn into these beasts. And even when she's in beast form, like he's still his, there's no love loss for right. him. I mean, he's not like trying to make it out with animals or anything, but like he's genuinely concerned for her in all her shapes and forms. And yeah. Right. And he, mm-hmm. and, he, and a lot of, and a lot of the comments about her, powers are very subtle comments made through uh adian's perspective of being like it doesn't the book doesn't come out and say every time lysandra changes 
it uses her magic and she gets tired. He, it's we learn that through him saying he notices when she goes from a small form to a big form that she becomes more. It uses more energy and she has to like she has to rest more afterwards. And I, I like that that was like the way that we got insight into who what she's capable of and how it affects her. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Well, let's skip down to Lysandra for a minute, and let me tell you, I agree 100% with you, David. This is probably the most interesting character in the entire book. I mean, she is she is incredible the way she can shift and survive some brutal attacks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, as you said, I, I thought she was a goner. I, you know, when she yeah. transforms into that sea serpent or that dra- sea dragon, it's number one. That's incredible to begin with. She emulates, she emulates what she sees on the wall of that temple. Um, but she's also able to like, uh, she really is. She's she's smart, and um, she figures out how to outwit these. These things, and granted, she has a team of people, but I agree. You know, you think that she's a goner. She's lying there, and not only a goner physically, but the the ability at uh, when she's on the beach there after she's been hit and wounded and unable to change back, she almost loses herself into the beast's form, and you know, mm-hmm. and and Adian kind of brings her back, and well, Aelin, I guess, kind of brings her back. And grounds her again. And uh, again, it's a dedication, as we mentioned before, that dedication to the queen that seems to be the thing that's grounding her, probably because of what Aelin has done for Lysandra. Mm-hmm. Her character has so much change and growth in this. And I know I keep saying that those things over and over again, but if you look at her in the last book, like she was kind of snobby. She was snuck up, stuck up. She was a rival for for uh, Selena. She she was and she was also a victim. So she didn't have like a lot of power to her, except for with that one with the character, the, the like thief, the thief lord, whatever his name was. But now, now that she's her magic is freed, she's finally able to be herself, and she is fierce, and she is cunning, and she's smart, and she's loyal to the death yeah to 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 selena even after you know growing up as as bitter rivals she's like quickly over that and not quickly but she's she's fully over that and fully dedicated and uh it's just she's just such a cool character because she's unsure of herself too even when she exudes like all of this confidence at the same time she's also like afraid that she can't perform And I, I don't know. I heard the best character of the book by far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'd have to agree. So we've got uh, Gavriel. Is that how it's yeah. said? Gavriel. Gavriel. Okay. Uh, other than the fact that Gavriel was uh, Adian's father, he was kind of, I mean, he just, I don't know. He was just kind of there, but Fenris seemed to be a lot more interesting to me uh, with his like limited teleporting abilities and, uh, you know, kind of more of an animalistic personality. And he was, he wasn't, 
directly tied into anyone, which made him a little bit more interesting to me. He didn't have to be there for any specific mm-hmm. reason. You know? I just like the fact they called him Kitty Cat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And one of one of my favorite so, characters though is Manon Blackbeat. I mean, she's introduced Oh, by far. She's introduced in book two, right? And we've seen the mm. development from this ruthless killer to a person yeah. that has begun to question uh in book three and book four, and then in book five here, um we we really see that changing. And probably I should say she's introduced to book three. Book four, we see growth, and we see her really begin to fight against who she's been trained. It's this whole examination for me of is this nature versus nurture. You know, she's raised this way, but she doesn't have to be this way. Um, yeah. And um, huge revelation on her hereditary, her, which I can't imagine, you know, she's being bred to kill these um, these crocken witches only to discover that she herself is crocken. And this is, yeah. this is like, it's like, it's like huge, huge, huge for Not just crocken, huge for her as she, crocken uh, royalty. as she struggles with it. So I, mm-hmm. uh, I can't say that this is, uh, this is certainly a, um, wonderful one to, and to go against your grandmother, which, was the thing that you were, you know, trying to please all your life. This is huge for McNaughton. So. Mm-hmm. She was, uh, for me, you know, she was a, a cool villain. Yeah. Before. And, uh, you know, I, I was always interested in what was going on with her and the 13, you know, how she bonded with her uh, wyvern. Oh, yeah. All, all that was great. But in this book, she became a person. I mean, she became someone that I care about. Right. I didn't. I didn't previously care, and I. I figured I didn't care as too much. I mean, I enjoyed the storyline, but now she's become a character that I care about, and and uh, was very very happy to see her triumphant when when the 13 came back oh yeah absolutely that was like i wanted to i wanted to jump up and cheer when that happened that was so cool (laughs) yeah um i think she's my second favorite character of the book i really like just her in general and and the kind of like her attitude and the way she's doing rebelling against her her nature and uh, her upbringing and stuff and uh i like that her, i like her relationship with um dorian a lot i think that it's it's more raw uh or harsh i don't know what to say it's like they don't they don't want to admit that they like that they're into each other or fully <laughs> give into it you know like they're both kind of fighting it but at the same time they're like yeah and we know what's going on here so oh, yeah yeah. And I, that and their relationship was just kind of i don't know it, it seemed like it was moving towards being almost brutal yeah 
Yeah, and who is it, Lysander, who t- who talks about it, where she says, um, basically, like, you know, Dorian was one way. He was he was nice and kind, and then he had that like ripped from him when the other girl was killed in front of him. So I, a lot of people who go through that trauma like come through wanting the, being a little bit more harsh or, or strong-willed in their next relationship. And See, and, and that's a letdown for me because uh, I was I was really hoping that Dorian would be a benevolent ruler and uh, compassionate and empathic and all the things that he was before uh, he was taken over by the evil. And you yeah. think Dor? You, so you think Dorn's not that now? I I don't see as I don't see it at the surface. Now it may be underneath. I don't know, but he seems to have become jaded. Yeah. Well, I think it's still there. He's just more rougher. He's more realistic. Like he, I think before he was kind of everything was rose tinted. To a degree, because he just didn't know life. He's had a he's had a, he's had a dose he's had a case of uh, reality slapped up against him, and I think that this. Right. I think you're exactly right, David. That you know the first couple of books, rose colored uh, glasses, and then voila! Not only did he encounters his father, follow father number one, and then he in a way that maybe he hasn't before, and then he also is enslaved, and he comes out of that. But that is that has changed him. Um, and not all the change has been good. Yeah. And, and I think that's what bothers me. It's like you, you can go one of two ways with something like that, especially with, with a parent, you know, I, you can, you can follow the, follow the lead or you can say, I'm not going to let that happen to me. Right. And, and I'm not going to do that. And, Dorian right now seems to be walking a thin tightrope. Yeah. And you don't know exactly which way he's going to fall. And I just wonder if Manon isn't going to pull him over the edge. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I, I, I'm judging by her writing, I would think it's going to be more they save each other type of a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, Ansel of Briarcliff, I love this character. This, this was like, the cavalry coming over the hill, you know, the, the, uh, the arg, here we are, <laughs> a pirate kind of a, a character, someone that everybody would like. I don't remember Ansel at all. <laughs> is that the, is it the guy at Pirate's Bay? No. Yeah. With, with, no, with, with the fleet. The guy that shows up with the fleet, um, toward the end of the book. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. But for okay. me, but for me, mm-hmm. I agree. He was kind of forgettable for me. But. Oh, forgettable? Yeah, I, I liked, I liked Ansel. I thought, I think that that would be a, a neat character to, to bring on board a new character. Yeah. Hey, and then we have Alid and Lorcan, and what a, what an interesting storyline that was. Yeah, that for me was one of the whenever we got back to a lead and Lorcan, I was like, oh yeah, we're back to this. Let's see how this develops. Love the whole let's go join the carnival, husband and wife sort of thing they pull. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and love how dedicated Lorcan becomes to her, um, despite what his initial thoughts are. Yeah. Well, and then him trying not to show. Right. You know, he's, he's in a, he's in a state of denial himself, but you know, he's falling for her. And uh, he he's he doesn't want to accept that. Of course not. Yeah. Then all the while being chased and and you know it it was a it was not a horribly complex story, but you know you you kind of found yourself. Well, at least I found myself rooting for them to get away. Oh yeah. And and survive. Yeah, absolutely. Just a side note. What is up with the trope of hundred year old men, hundreds of year old men falling for nineteen year old girls, and these nineteen year old girls falling for these hundred year years old men? Like, to be fair, they don't look a hundred years old. Yeah, oh, right. That because, because oh, that's the key. because if because that's because the if they look like two three hundred years old, you'd be like, oh, these are, these guys are creepy old men praying and young girl right but it's not like yeah it's not like these are like like when i picture like rowan and and you know gabriel Fenris and lorkin i'm picturing like harlequin romance guys on the covers just saying. Uh, i don't yeah. picture that I, I i picture like 25 year old guys that you know they're in their prime yeah, uh, you know that kind of thing, and and they never grow older. It's kind of like Highlander, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just i I would imagine these these guys would have. Well, you know, I guess these are pretty ladies. So I just you'd think that they would be like mm, she's just not mature enough. But what's going on outside? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like a rally out there. Um, uh oh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, 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 she makes it work in the book, but it just part of me is just like, what? But see, now I've never given the only one who does it. It's I, like look at I, Twilight too. So now, now that you mention it, I I see where you're coming from, but I just it it never entered my mind. Now I'll never be able to read another. Well, you one. know what? It, they're, 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 <laughs> the thing is, they're fake creatures, and to they aren't really men like we really. So it'd be the, it'd be like a girl falling for a fantasy creature, and uh, I mean that trope's been done many a times before, and and they do, and they do mm. kind of address it, saying, "Look, I'm hundreds of years old. This is an issue. Um, it is an issue for Rowan and um, you know Aelin initially, or at least for Rowan, and then um, and you see mm -hmm. them struggle with the fact they've been here for hundreds of years, and yet." Um, and also struggling with the fact that they're falling in love with a girl that's very mortal that will present potentially outlive them. And so they, I well, don't think yeah, that, well, I, I don't scenario, feel like, I don't feel like Sarah J. Moss treats this lightly in any way. Yeah. Selena may not be mortal. We don't know yet. Well, we don't know. So. Yeah. I like that. They finally addressed that as a side note. Cause I was like, what makes it, what, they kept bringing up how some people are mortal, some people are not, and and 
they're like uh, some fake her you know the heritage get it and they finally address it. like i guess you reach a certain age and you go through like the turning or whatever and hmm. that's when your magic matures and you either become immortal or you don't yeah and i don't that's when your body as, as not i'm not as well versed in in fantasy as either one of you guys are so i i'm not uh I, I don't know. It's just it's just never something that crossed my mind. So yeah. I I don't know. Hmm. How about Duke Parrington slash Erewhon? Let's talk about the true villains of the story, and uh, along with mm-hmm. them is sidekick Vernon Locken. For me, yes. while there's so little time spent on these characters, you know that. The, the the fact that we don't spend time and get glimpses of them make them almost more evil because they're faith yes. they're faceless and unknown and when you do see them the our our group seems almost powerless to stop them and i think that's what makes yeah. them yes. such powerful villains even though they take up so little reading time yeah well, you 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 know they're there. You know they're in the shadows, and you you're just waiting for them to pop out and say, "Okay, party's over." Yeah. Well, and it's and you see their minions, like the the trackers and uh, the people that are kind of representing them, and, and they're terrible creatures to begin with, and they almost don't survive them. And you're like, "Oh my god, if they can't survive them, how are they going to survive?" Uh, you know, Erewhon, or especially Erewhon. You know, if they can't survive his minions, how are they going to get away from him? And 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 yeah. why? And why, for the love of God, has he not acted sooner? This is a question that's consuming them and driving in this book. It's driving them like, are we being manipulated? And that becomes also a scary premise and something that drives our characters forward. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I really like that we didn't spend a ton of time with the villains. All the other books, we spend a ton of time with them because we see them through the perspective of other characters that are around them, generally. Right. But in in that, we get a, a big glance at like what they're thinking and what they're doing and what's going on. I really like stepping back and being like, though they're out there and they're after us, but we have no like at no point really that I can remember does the book flip over to Erewhon's perspective solely his perspective well you know about what he's doing you're right david i think that this is this is one of the things we've lost our inside look into Erewhon's lair i mean the last we saw it was being destroyed and we get hints of this destruction but we have no idea what's happening because no um you know obviously um uh, Manon Blackbeak's no longer there. We, we were getting perspective through her. Um, we were getting perspective through a lead. She's no longer there, and um, and so we're we, we we're missing our insider scoop. And so all we get are the subtle lies that are being told to the group from other people. Oh, an interesting thing about this book. In this book, we learn that he can be any one of his minions yeah like he just jumps bodies like nothing like he at the inner at the beginning of this he's no longer the duke he's some like guy some beautiful looking man and then midway through the book he's also inside that like creature that attacks them 
or not creatures, the the jail warden that he took his heart out and replaced it with one of those stones. Yeah. Like he's also possessing that guy's body. So I think that was really interesting that like anyone that's been that's been corrupted by these by these rings or whatever could turn out to be him and they just don't know right. it. So Yeah. And then, well and another perspective I think that I look at uh Erewhon and even Maeve so much is it, it's kind of like the monster on Alien. You know it's there. You know it's deadly. And you know it's going to strike eventually. And you know the scene where uh, where she's going through the ship looking for the damn cat? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, you know something bad's going to happen, and it, it, it really doesn't ever come to be. Until it looks like that everything's going to be just fine, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it, I, I think the over, the overshadowing presence is just as effective as seeing the actual characters in action. And I can't agree with you more. I agree. Totally. Yeah. Well, we have one other villain that's kind of on the board here, and we probably should talk about her. Mm-hmm. Queen Maeve. Maeve. Yeah. She's not very happy. Really? <laughs> no, she's definitely you think? she's real she's definitely not happy. Um Yeah, what I mean she's mostly just a threat for throughout the whole thing. And then boom. At the end, she she shows up in force. Oh yeah, and uh, really really shows her strength. Yeah, mm-hmm. and winds up capturing Selena. It's um, so. it'll be fun as we get through. I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a book book six, as I said mentioned, is about Kale, but in the midst of the mm-hmm. story. We get huge revelations about Queen Maeve um, that they have hinted at throughout books three and four and even book five. And uh, little details. It goes to show you again, we were talking about how incredible of a writer Sarah J. Moss is. She's been setting up uh, the revelation in book six all the way through these three books. And, um, and yes, yeah, she comes in here full force, but we see just how deadly she is in book six. And she's not even in book six. Except oh, as, wow. except <laughs> as except as something that Kale discovers. And that's not spoiling anything, just that you know, we're focusing on a different part of the continent with different characters, but we do get a revelation that's huge with her. Yeah. So jeez. Anyways, well, that's that's a wrap on characters, places, and things. We're all over the place. We are over the place. Just <laughs> far afield, as uh, as David pointed out earlier, and that was one of the things he liked about the book was that we were moving from place to place. You know, David, one of the things when you mentioned that this is very much like an adventure, um, I saw this especially like you definitely see this with Aelin and her crew. But I think I especially notice this with Elite and Lorcan. 
Um, because they're like physically they're in the woods and then they hook up and then they, you know, hook up with a carnival and then there are, they get ratted out and they're on a barge and then they, uh, get discovered in a town. Um, and, uh, then they head toward Aelin and that for me, that story is very much, let's take a journey across the, the, the land. Right. Um, and so I think you're right. They're all over the place. Whereas I didn't, I felt like while we get that with, um, Selena, Aelin, and her company is not quite as defined as it is with uh, Lorcan and Lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Their their journey is trackable, like on a map, right? Where uh, uh, Selena's journey is more giant jumps of right of time. Well, and it's artfully done too because we follow Dorian and Rowan, right? And they get to Skull's Bay, and everything's being set up, and like. Voila, and we of course are flashing into like you know uh alien up with the temple and we know it's a port town and then voila the next time you see her she's like waltzing into rolf's um study you know the pirate king you know and as um and um and so it definitely seems like she's jumping she's really not but we don't track her on our ship's voyage down to Skull's Bay. Right. So. Right. But. Well, you think we're ready for our favorite plot points? Sure. Sure. All right. The beach scenes. Just I kind of said. <laughs> my favorite part was. When they were making love on the beach. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you know, they do have that tight, that mixed drink that you can buy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I was when I was reading that section, one thing came to mind. What's that? No, 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 no. Anakin Skywalker. I hate <laughs> I hate the sand. It gets in places it isn't supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that just kept coming back. Yeah. You know, you know what got me through those scenes? Say again. Thinking, you know what got me through those scenes? All all the romance scenes. Visualizing them. I just thought about, I just thought about how much Jim must be hating getting through those scenes. I was like, poor old Jim. What I did when I read those scenes is I just pictured Jim in the background with a lute. Just playing softly as they went at it. All right. To be complete, to be completely honest. All right. Um, I, I just kind of rolled my eyes and just said, here we go again and, <laughs> yeah. and got, and got through it. And right. that, that's, that's just kind of the way I dealt with it. It was like, oh boy, here we go again. So yeah. favorite points of plot. And then let me get us back on the, uh, the real question here. Um, uh, for me, for me, a couple, um, I loved when Dorian gets saved by Manon in the castle. I think that that was an incredible scene. I also like when she confronts her grandmother, um, and and they and she denounces Manon, and they just they go at it. Um, 
again, you mentioned how visually descriptive she is. It's, those are one. That's one of the scenes when that fight's happening. I'm out in my run. I'm uh, swearing at the sky because I can't. Like I'm visualizing this, and her description is so vivid and beautiful uh, and intense that you're kind of like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is happening." Um, so <laughs> I loved those two. I loved those two scenes, um, and I think it's. Um, and we mentioned the the battle in Skulls Bay, and that's obviously poignant. Um, so I think those are some of my, those are three of my favorite scenes. And there's many different moments that I look forward to, but those were, those were some. I mean, I spoke of like the Skulls Bay battle before, but, but apart from that, I, I really liked the revelation from, we didn't really talk about this, the revelation of Lysandra saying if, if anything happened to Selena, I would just pretend to be Selena for the rest of her life, and for the and I would pretend to be married to Rowan, and I would have, <laughs> I would have Adian's. I would it, it, like she she basically tells Adian, you and I would be the ones that would have children, and uh, I mean that's kind of the way that 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 would work, and that's and like he's like I can't believe that you would make me you know pretend to be my cousin and then and try and romance me as my cousin and and he's hurt by it and then at the end of this book she's forced to step into that role and like the way that that kind of hurts him i just thought that little twist was really great so hmm. i guess my favorite point of plot would be the battle scenes anytime there was a battle scene it was huge it was battle of love yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No. Whenever there was fights going on, they were they were so well written and so detailed, and you you just really didn't know what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. And so I I appreciated that. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh. Yeah, that's pretty good. So I don't have any quotes this this uh, time around. Jim, any quotes? You know, I, I didn't pull anything out. Nothing really hit me as being earth-shattering, so I just kind of passed over it. Yeah, I, I, I don't have anything yeah, either this about, time. That's fine. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, let's just move into our closing thoughts and ratings. Uh, so let me know what your your like final thing about this book i think at this point like it's, it's saying do you recommend it or do you not this book is so far in you'd have to read the other ones um, yes so instead let me know if if your final thoughts on the book and and if this book continues to be compelling enough to read the next one go ahead scott um so as I mentioned earlier, I almost quit reading the series, but because of the ending of the book and I didn't necessarily like it. Um, that being said, I, I would rate this book a four out of five. I think that it's a solid enough uh, and it's a good continuation of the story. There are certainly some things that I didn't like and there's certainly things that I felt like 
we're left hanging, but that's one of the things that we uh, that draws us into the story. Each one of these books, when they finish it, I want to read the next one, uh, with the exception of this one, when what happened to Selene at the end, Aelin at the end, I almost quit reading the series. Um, but that being said, I did enjoy the book. As, de- as, as Jim said, the battles were incredible. There was some incredible character development in this one. And so I'm, I'm very much for it. I'm really much. So should you read this book? Uh, if you read the series so far, certainly a worthy continuation. Uh, definitely, in my opinion, not young adult material anymore. Um, and uh, um, I know our library ha- has it, and he's questioned as to whether they should have it. So there you go. Yeah. I gave, I'm giving it a three out of five. Uh, yeah, three out of five. Uh, geez. You know, I, I am invested in five volumes of this with two left to go. So I'm thinking, why wouldn't I finish it? I mean, that would be, that would be kind of, kind of silly. Uh, to invest that much time unless it was just absolutely unreadable right and the writing is 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 very good i don't have a problem with that um uh we finally had a culmination of uh the the tension that's been running for two volumes now um so you know maybe it, maybe we can move forward and and get into some more action so yeah, I I would uh, I, I'm going I would go ahead and finish the series if it were just me. Yeah, good, David. I'm going to give this book a four out of five. Um, I really liked a lot of things about this book. I think I went on for quite some time at the beginning about it. Um, I my thing is this book has me of all of them, the most excited for the next book. Good. Um, to see where, to see where things are. I I mean, with all of them, I wanted to know what was going to happen next, but this one has me like more, less than just be like, okay, I'm, I'm like, we're, we're going to do this. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one. This one has me like, okay. Like I really actually want to know what's going to happen. Like with her being kidnapped and stuff opposite of, of how that you didn't like that. I thought that was, a really great way of like breathing some life back into the story and kind of making things interesting because up until this point, I really feel like our characters are just getting more and more powerful. And like it was, I knew there was two more books, but I was like, they're almost getting too powerful. Every time, every battle they come up against, they kind of like defeat the odds and get a little bit better and a little bit better. And it's like, okay, they're almost ready for their final battle. How do you knock them down a couple pegs? And right. I think that this did that. So, yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. Agree with you on that. Yeah. Cool. Yep. So overall, we're giving this a 3.7 out of five. Yeah. That's not bad. All right. Yeah. No, no. Very good. So the next book that we're going to be, be reading is Dune Duke of Caladan, which is the newest book by, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. Yeah. And it'll oh, be yeah. a 
Yeah, I'm pretty pumped about that. It'll be a split podcast. I mean, well, we're going to air it both here and on our other podcast, the Dune Saga podcast. So always good when we can do a combo like that. Now, as far as polls go, since we are continuing the Throne of Glass books, we will not have another poll um, up for – we will be reading Tower of Dawn by Sarah J. Mass after Duke of of Caladan. So that's what our schedule looks like. Yep. Like right about that. Sorry that'll about probably that, take us into the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Roland. <laughs> our, so. our, our good friend <laughs> Roland's not enjoying these books, uh, so. but that's all right. He'll get over it. <laughs> yeah, he will. So, yeah. all right. Look, if you want to be a part of the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can go ahead and send us an email over at theorbitalsword at gmail.com. We will definitely read it. We'll talk about it on the show. We want to hear what you're thinking about this book, about other books you've read, recommendations, whatever you got. We're we're down to to learn more about it. Of course, Absolutely. you can always find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the orbital sword. There's over on Twitter at Orbital Sword. And we have a, a hot chat line. What, what That's right. Saying? We have a chat. We have a voicemail. You well, can, especially, especially after this book, what? we have a hot chat line. Where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and how can people leave us a voicemail one two six zero five seven seven chat one two six zero five seven seven two four two eight um you know there's another way yeah. that people and, can leave uh, messages for us too and that is uh the posts that we put up on on our website some people respond to them and those contacts will also get right into the show yeah yeah uh and a big thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash sword, you can find us there um, and help support the show. So I think that about brings us to the end. Absolutely. Once again, for the Orbital Sword, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And join us next time on board the Orbital Sword. If I go to the sky
Miss you.